right. Well, welcome back to another re-education experience podcast with me, your host, as always, Darren Langell. You don't just get to hear from me again. I brought on a guest, but I've brought on somebody just incredibly special, um, somebody that's actually newer to my world than a lot of the people I've been able to introduce you to as, as my guests, as my listeners. This is the CEO and founder of Real. Uh, we call it Real Broke in Alberta because that's the operating trade name but around North America we go as real um this I haven't mentioned real on my podcast yet but we switched recently from our independent brokerage over to real uh and uh Tamir here is the CEO and founder and it's a very tech focused company with a lot of I mean just a lot of incredible things that's why we made the move Tamir in his pre-real life was a also in real estate too. He didn't just come from some random background and start a company one day. He has a large real estate investment company background, property manager, that's close to my heart, construction company. I've tried that. We kind of failed. I never told you that, Samir. Uh, he also has prior experience in the world of high tech, right? Uh, all part of the reason. I love uh, having him as the helm of our company, a real broker, this blend of high tech and and uh, uh, real estate background, I think is going to keep putting our company at the forefront of what we do. And I'm really excited to have him. So Tamir, again, what's the best way to uh, pronounce your last name? I wanted I wanted you to do that rather than me butcher it. But welcome to the show. Thank you, and thank you for having me, uh, Darren. Uh, hi everyone. Thank you for uh, for. Uh, listening or watching. Uh, last name is actually Poleg, but okay. uh, in North America, it's difficult to pronounce that. So it's Poleg. Yes. It's almost like I mean, your background is which which country background? I was born and raised in Israel. So, I gotcha. um, yeah, that's where my origins are. Some of the the dialect almost sounds I have a French background. So almost sounds like there's like a, a, a just a hint of that that same smoothness. Is that fair? Uh, I wouldn't call Hebrew our language smooth at all, but <laughs> but uh, yeah, I guess I guess sometimes you might confuse maybe some words, but I think uh, I, I'm also French speaking. Uh, I lived in uh, Paris for two and a half years when I was a kid. I don't have any accent. I mean, when I I speak French, I do have an accent, but um, I think that once you know Hebrew and once you know French. Those are two very, very different uh, languages. <laughs> so what I was hearing was a bit of the French undertone that you've but, uh, had experience uh, with. I'll take that as a compliment, by the way. <laughs> oh, there you go. I'll give it to you one. <laughs> um, anything I missed on the introduction that was kind of critical to give somebody context here, um, of course, to our company and, and to who you are? Sure. Well, first of all, I think, uh, and, and thank you very much for the kind introduction. I think uh, the most important part is the fact that I'm uh, married and I have four kids, which probably is what drives all of us at the end of the day. Um, we tend to talk about our our past and our careers and all of that, but, you know, we wake up in the morning because of, of those people that that we care about the most and our families and what we leave for the next generations. And, and, and this is everyone's why. So yes, we, uh, we did not talk about this, but uh, I would yeah. start with, <laughs> I mean, when, when I introduce myself, maybe I would start with that. I always say I'm a husband and father in training because uh, 
man, I think I could do a lot better at it, but uh, it's, uh, you're right. It is near and dear to our hearts. So, yeah, you know, as, as a parent, you always ask questions and you ask yourself, am I doing the best I can? And what am I leaving to my kids? And did I set a good example? And what kind of uh, values am I uh, teaching them? So I think just being a parent is a constant questioning of, of yourself. And you can never be like 100% confident about everything that you do. And obviously, there's no school of, uh, of for parenting. Uh, so you go through raising up your first child and the, the second, the third, the fourth in my case, hopefully the, the fifth as well. Um, and you kind of maybe you get better. I don't know. Um, or maybe you just get tired. <laughs> yeah, something happens along the yeah. way. But I wanted to bring you on to this to my realtor audience uh, because your role, you just have this unique insight and kind of filter for which you see the industry again because of your role and because of what you brought to the table um, it's a lot different than speaking with active producing realtors on the show about selling active business or how to just like hack your way to success or what's the latest social media trick right you come from a different lens that I haven't had on the show. So again, that's why I thought you said, well, if I could be of value, I'd love to have you uh, you'd come on. And I said, of course, you'll be of value because you bring that unique lens that, that others don't. Um, I mean, there's a shift happening in our industry. That's that, uh, I mean, of course, real brokers, a big part of um, where do you think the real estate industry as a whole is like where where are we in this like position we've gone through traditional real estate right that that changed things back in the 80s and it kind of ran its course for 30 40 years there's been a lot of stuff come our way we've seen some major announcements with some big data companies of course that have tried things failed but now there's this evolution i mean if i were to if you were to try to sum up where we are as an industry for you know realtor backed industry i'd love to know your take on that well wow. uh, that's a huge huge topic and probably we need 2 hours to just for this specific question but uh, um, this morning i was talking to a friend of mine and he said, you know, real estate prices are going up so dramatically. Um, he, he's in Israel. So he was talking about the, the Israeli real estate market. And prices are just outrageous in Tel Aviv. It's the same uh, price per square foot as in Manhattan. It doesn't make sense. And I told him, you know, when we started real, we started it in Israel. We had a team of about 20 uh, software engineers. And at some point, we, we had to um, kind of let everybody go because it didn't make sense to, uh, to have that center in Israel. And as I was doing that, which was probably the, the most difficult day in my life, you know, firing 20 people, I tried to make sure that I find a new job for each and every one of them. And one of them was a, a young developer. I think it was, it was around 28, 29-ish. And I got a text from him about a year ago, and he said, thank you, you've made me a millionaire. So I, I kind of introduced him to a friend of mine who was a CEO of a, of a startup. The startup did really, really well. It went public, um, and everybody became like a millionaire. So this guy went from making, I don't know, $80,000 a year to making $100,000 a year, but having like $3 million in, in the bank because of the stock options. What I'm trying to say is that there's a revolution going on in the world. It's kind of similar to the industrial revolution. 
but it's the technology revolution. And I think that we're just at the beginning of it. The world is changing. The way we buy things, the way we think, the way we consume, the way we look at data, everything is changing. And I think we're just at the beginning. Now, unfortunately, real estate is really lagging behind. When I was looking at this industry and I came from the real estate world and what kind of opened my eyes was I had a real estate company in, in Houston focusing on multifamily investments and a property management company and a construction company. And one day we said, you know, let's open up um, a kitchen cabinet uh, showroom. And we opened a showroom. It worked pretty nicely. And at one point, my former partner said, let's try and sell online. So we, we uh, kind of uh, built a really nice uh, website. And within less than three months, the online sales were far ahead, the physical showroom. And that was kind of a, a aha moment for me saying, okay, there's something around that online thing. And I, in my, at the beginning of my career, I, I worked for two different startups, but uh, unfortunately real estate is lagging behind. And I think that what's stopping real estate from moving faster is the fact that in order to innovate in real estate, you could either come from outside of real estate and then you will most likely fail because real estate is so complicated. It's so relationship um, driven or, or based. Um, it's highly regulated. And if you're coming from the outside and saying, okay, this is how things should work, you will fail because you don't understand real estate. Or you could come from real estate, but then you don't have that um, understanding of what's possible outside of the boundaries of real estate. And this is why real estate has been so slow at innovating or adopting new technologies. Uh, but I think that this is changing now. And I think that we're just at the beginning of what's changing. What we're, what we're seeing is some innovation on the brokerage side, some tools for agents. Um, we have yet to see a major change in the way people buy and sell homes. And I think that this is the biggest opportunity. Like if I imagine my kids going to buy a home in five years or today, they will probably go through the same process I went through when I bought my first home, which was not too far from the experience that my parents had when they bought their first home, I don't know, 50 years ago. And that has to change. Um, so if you're asking me, where are we? We're probably at the beginning of this very welcome innovation phase in the real estate space. I like how you put that. There's those two options. And from the inside, we have our blinders on most of the time. We don't really want to facilitate a ton of change. And, and it's change is scary. I even got that message today on a year-end survey from one of my agents. Change is scary and I'm nervous, right? And then from the outside in, you're thinking, I can just completely shake the tree in a new way, but you don't honor some of what's worked uh, to get you there. You just kind of come in big guy and think I can make a bunch of changes. But what you're suggesting is there's a... a there's a movement now where is the blending of the two, almost similar to your background. There's this blending of an insiders working with the best of the outside to finally evolve something that's been the same for a long time. And, and I'll tell you a secret. When we built real and until this very day, we tried to keep a healthy balance within the company, the people that we're hiring coming from real estate background and completely no real estate background. 
we want to have this balance of fresh minds versus people that understand the industry and what's acceptable, what's not acceptable, what can be done and cannot be done within the boundaries of, of regulations, of course. Um, so I think that the key is, is building this healthy balance. Makes sense. I mean, big data, AI, I know you guys are working on tools to, to facilitate things. Like, how, how does that improve real estate? Like, how, how does that support some of this evolution? Right. I mean, it seems big. It seems airy. And the average agent is on the ground with their client, just meeting somebody, keeping smiles and working them through their life's transitions. How does any of this support realtors doing better jobs with clients? Like any, any way to simplify that down for us? It's an excellent question. And I think that those are big words, big data, AI, all of those things that we hear and for 90% of the people, this sounds quite intimidating because you know when you don't know a word and people are using it, you're starting to question yourself. Like, am I, am I not smart enough? Am I not knowledgeable enough? Um, I think that for agents, let's, let's separate it into two. The role of the brokerage is to provide the agents and equip them with everything they need in order to provide an excellent service to their clients. I mean, we exist at the end of the day to service and serve home buyers and sellers. This is what we're here for, both brokerages and agents. So the brokerage side, we need to find and build whatever our agents need in order to provide an amazing service to home buyers and home sellers. On the agent side, Agents need to take those tools, combine that with their ability to create a human connection, a relationship, the trust, and then leverage it into something that at the end of the day will be highly beneficial for their clients. Now, those are, again, big words. But if we, if we try to, um, to simplify that, I think that all of us today are used to the convenience and speed and the transparency and the control that we enjoy when we have digital transactions with different companies. Like imagine Amazon, imagine, I don't know, if American Express, any company that you deal with and enjoy their product and service. You enjoy the fact that it's convenient, it's, it's quick, you control the process, it's transparent, you know exactly what's gonna happen. This does not exist in real estate. Right. Now, at the same time, real estate is very unique in the fact that it's a very complicated, highly emotional transaction that takes a long time. And only a human can understand what another human is going through. And only a human can help another human go through those difficult and exciting and happy and sometimes sad uh, month. And I think that as an industry, it's our role to understand that consumers are, are telling us, hey, we want the benefits of the digital transaction and we want the benefits of the human advisor. 100%. And how do, we, how do we combine those? And, and that's... That's actually an, an interesting point because like you said, the world, like since 
uh, Y2K, right, has been this information push and it's just been going, going, going and the speed of change is accelerating. But yet there's still agents out there absolutely crushing it with zero experience with tech, data, even a spreadsheet, right? They're just relationship-based, but yet in this industry that's that's uh, lagging in its innovation, they can continue to make incredible income. But it's because the consumer, what you're saying, hasn't quite caught up to figure out how can I evolve, how can this transaction actually be evolved um, with this new era? So the, the, the consumers have yet to demand that change yet so agents can stay pretty much traditional, right? Uh, well, I wouldn't fully agree that consumers haven't demanded it. I think that the ones that did demand it hit a wall of, you know, it doesn't exist. So you can continue and demand it, but we don't have it. Uh, but eventually we have to, to ask ourselves, for example, why did I buyers were born? They were born because some smart people thought that there's a pain on the consumer side and they wanted to fix that pain using the things they knew. The things they knew is software. And they completely underrated or overlooked the human aspect of the transaction as well. This is why some of them have failed. Some of them kind of scaled back. Um, but we cannot ignore the fact that they were born because there's a pain on the consumer side. And to me, it tells a lot. Uh, so even though consumers are demanding, currently they don't have too many alternatives. They don't have any alternative on the buy side. They do have some alternatives on the sell side. Those are alternatives on the sell side, the iBuyers, are probably not exactly what the consumers want. This is why it's not taking over the market, but it shows that there's still an opportunity in creating this thing that the consumers want. So um, by the way, and you talked about those agents that are crushing it today and making a lot of money and a lot of transactions without using technology. I think that we should be looking at the consumers of today, but maybe even more importantly, the consumers of tomorrow, our kids, the people that will be buying home in 10 years, will they put up with the kind of experience that our industry provides them today? Probably not. So all of those folks that are crushing it today, I'm not sure they will be crushing it when my kids will go and buy their first home. And this yeah, is what even, we should be thinking about. Yeah, or even the, the life cycle of the next time they purchase, right? When the next trade up is gonna happen five, seven, eight years away, really isn't, it feels like a long ways away, but if we ask our, well, I mean, if I think about the tech that we didn't use as realtors eight years ago, it's significant, right? I don't know if I was even on e-signatures yet. It's tough to wrap my head. Like it was in around that time when that started to happen and I was still driving at midnight to go get a final multiple offer signed. If that happened today, man, right? Yeah. And the fact that something doesn't exist doesn't mean that there's no need for it. Um, again, before Amazon came into the market, you didn't know that it, it can be so convenient, so great, um, that you will get addicted to that. And I think that once the first company in the real estate space introduces an experience that's so far better than compared to what's out there, they will take over the market. Yeah. And at that point, nobody will ask, is this needed or not? It's like everyone will, will go that route. Totally. You know, it's actually really scary, but also 
exciting about that. The company that can do that with an army of 2 million plus agents, I don't know how many are in North America, you've got that built-in ability to touch every person out there about a transacting. So it's that work with the realtor because that army exists to go and service clients versus, well, let's just figure out a complete different way, which is how a lot of others have failed, right? Yep. Yeah, and Love by it. the way, as, as we were building real, very often it was difficult for us to have conversations with VCs because those folks are supposedly the most innovative people on the planet and they're looking to put their money into innovative companies. And for them, innovation meant we are going to bypass or eliminate the middleman. So probably 90% of the VCs we talked to, our story didn't resonate with them because we said we are going to empower the agents, the middlemen, and they were thinking about eliminating the middlemen. Um, so I think people are starting to understand that agents are here to stay and they bring a ton of value, but we need to somehow converge the digital experience with the human experience. Well, that's great insight. See, that's the insight none of us would kind of ever hear. I love that. Now, you mentioned to me something, I don't know when this was, but you were at Inman recently and you were in a, a series of conversations with a lot of other leaders, right? As you should be, right? You're, in the, you're invited into the who's who and the zoo type meetings. Um, but you said there was a different conversation going on that you didn't expect. And it was, I don't know if you remember telling me this, but it was, nobody was talking about the consumer. And it was just that it was everybody in that room was just agent focused, but I don't know if it was from a fear mindset or where that was coming from, but the consumer conversation never entered that. Can you comment a little bit on that? Maybe I refreshed you there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I was watching a panel. Um, and on stage were there were two team leaders from five different brokerages, real included, by the way. Um, and there was one guy from Open Door who was sitting at, in the corner. Um, and all of the 10 people, the, the 10 team leaders, they were talking about all of the same things, about commission splits and fees and office space and rev share and all of those discussions that our industry has been caught up in for 10 years, 20 years, whatever. And I think I, I told you that at some point, one of the team leaders said that in Phoenix, Arizona, one of the iBuyers had X percent market share, uh, listing market share. And the, the conversation just continued. They continued to, to argue about the same things, which brokerage is better, which brokerage provides better splits, whatever. And nobody, Kind of stopped for a second and, and thought, okay, if this I buyer has 10% market share and another buyer would have another eight and another one would have another five, and it wasn't only in Phoenix, it would be nationwide. Just think how much, how drastic and dramatic that would be to the brokerage industry. And I think that continuing to talk about which is the the better brokerage and who provides better economics and who, who has better culture, I think that's missing the bigger picture. And the bigger picture is that the consumers are expecting us to come up with something different, something, something better for them, not for us as an industry, for them. And I think that there too little discussion around that. Right. In, in our it comes back to that. It comes back to the pain point, right? It's like address the true pain points 
of the consumer. You do that well where others aren't willing to, and you'll win the game. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. See, we're we're somewhere in the range of, I don't know where we're at now, but I would say somewhere around 3,500 agents, give or take, maybe. I, I don't 3,700. Oh, there you go. See, we're we're growing fast. So from from what you see on the inside, now this is flipping it back to agents doing it right. Um, why from the, the lens you have to some of the top crews within our groups, who what are some of the traits of the of the winners right now, of the agents that are just doing a very good job and you're seeing growth, not growth in their business and their ability to impact the consumer. Anything that you're noticing that is a, a trend amongst those folks, you know, with. Yes. And I'll probably, my answer might surprise you. Um, and this is something that I'm, I'm noticing more and more and I'm loving it. And I think that what I'm noticing is that what makes people extremely successful at real and I'm talking about individual agents or team leaders or brokerages that switch over. It's the desire to help others, hmm. which, which is amazing to see because, for example, we are now onboarding a, a huge team in, in Utah. And one of our um, team leaders from a different state just went there to help with the conversations, to to share with them from his knowledge because he joined us a few months ago. He went through that anxiety of, of change. He had a lot of questions and he knew what they were going through. And he suggested, he said, you know, I went through the, the same process. I'm gonna go there and talk to them and be there and, and answer the questions and hold their hands throughout that process. And for me, that's, that's a desire to make other people's lives better and help them grow their business and not think about, okay, I have my knowledge, I have my time, I don't have enough of it, and I'm gonna focus on what makes me money or right. what makes money for myself. Um, I think that what I like is the understanding that if you contribute to others, at the end of the day, it comes back to you. And that's what we're seeing right now at Real. Maybe it's not what you were looking for, but this is what gets me excited. Oh, that's exciting. I made a video just last week about awareness. In this conversation of, are you aware if you're a, like I, I use the hockey analogy, or do you have a plus minus that's in the positives where if you're on the rink, things, good things happen. Or if you're in the negative, you're the guy that your line always gets scored on. And it's, I put it to this idea of, are you a net giver or a net taker? And uh, as I was completing my year end workshop slides, that was one of the main things. And I love that that's what you're seeing from the top in the industry. And of course, you're seeing some a lot of interest in our company right now. Yeah, and you know, just take into uh, I mean, one example is this event that you had. Um, no agent left behind. Or, you can't see it behind me because it's all blurred out. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, for me, that event was all about giving to others and sharing and contributing and wanting others to to succeed at least as much as you want yourself to succeed. So. That's what I'm talking about. And, and you had a real life example in that event. Yeah, exactly. Now you're also being brought into conversations. And this is amazing that you do this. Like when we have, when I was interested in the company, I was on a call with you, right? And, and then one of the other agents within the organization, of course, connected that. And you're on a lot of these conversations with 
But usually it's the top leaders or the brokerages to just want to hear your voice. Now, on the flip side, what are you seeing as pain points for these people that are saying, hey, why would I leave? Maybe I'm in, in an established company and I might be a mega producer for years. And like, why are they considering that change? Like, what is that theme there from your end where it's just, I need something different. And, and, and what is that that tends to resonate that you're hearing more and more? Not to say the real fits that for everything, but just there probably is a common theme there. Um, probably a variety of, of reasons. Uh, I would start by saying that there are great, great brokerages out there. Um, brokerages that really changed people's lives and created great futures for so many families. So I would never say that real is the best possible brokerage. I just think that we are probably great for a certain segment that believe in the same things that we believe in. Mm -hmm. When I talk to agents and I talk to a lot of agents on a daily and, and weekly basis, um, sometimes I hear pain on the culture side. Sometimes agents do not feel cared for I mean, there's somewhat of a disconnect between the brokerage and the leadership of the brokerage and the agents. Um, to me, I, 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 I keep reminding myself that I wake up in the morning to work for our agents and serve our agents. And it's not only a cliche or a mantra. This, this is the reality. Um, I presented to our board the, the org chart of the company um, about a month ago. And above the, uh, the board, so there's the board, CEO, you know, all the executives. And I put the agents on top and I told the board, you should remember that. Like, you also have bosses on top of you. So, <laughs> so yeah, culture and disconnect between uh, the brokerage or the leadership of the brokerage and the agents is, is another thing. Um, very often I hear about disappointment around technology. So some companies have been promising different tools, different things that will help agents and it's not coming. Um, that's another thing. Sometimes it has to do with politics, like companies became a little bit too political. Um, and sometimes people just wanna, wanna change. You know, they feel like they need new energy and they wanna, they feel stagnant. And they think that by switching to a different brokerage uh, that maybe has more energy, more momentum, it'll change something in their business. Yeah, a lot of times what got you where they are isn't maybe what's going to get them to the next level. And sometimes it is, but oftentimes there's a shift that would need to happen. I hear that a lot too, because I've always been in that position where a lot of people, I have them like discovery calls into the red line ecosystem. It was just learning about the pain points. And uh, it, it is unfortunate. I, I always say this business isn't that hard. But the way the structure is, so many agents end up on an island and there's this very strong scarcity mindset that exists out there, I find, that, uh, that keeps people from each other rather than with each other. And I think, I mean, I, our company did a big did our little part in our market, but I know ours is doing this too. But I think there's just so much room to collaborate um, where we think we're competitive in this industry at hundred percent commission, but it's not that way. Like I haven't competed with any of my agents on a listing appointment in seven or eight years. It just doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah. And you said something uh, which kind of uh, 
I felt that I had to comment on. You said that selling real estate is not too hard. And, you know, when I get this comment from you, I can understand it. You know it as, as, as well as anyone else. But when people from the outside of the industry are thinking that selling real estate isn't difficult, um, I think they have no idea. Selling real estate is difficult. Like in order to be a good agent, you have to be a Wonder Woman or a Superman. Yep. You, have to, you have to be a salesperson. You have to be a psychologist. You have to understand numbers. You have to be an accountant. You have to, I mean, there's so many balls in the air and yes, it's difficult. And it's okay to say that our job is difficult. And, and I think that it comes back to um, maybe the, the reputation of, of the real estate agent in general that maybe we as, a, as an industry should care more about. Like, how do we fix that perception about real estate agents or gotcha. the perception within some of, uh, of the consumers about that? Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, when I say not hard, it's just the, the action steps we need to take aren't like engineering right or rocket science but they are there's this action plan because we have no bosses <laughs> that yeah. we have to facilitate or else we will fail right i mean that's why the failure rate is so high it's like each individual task is something that we can train in, in, in the skill set to approve is is lit is not huge but but boy oh boy are there a lot of hats we have to wear and the whole body of work is is a complex little ecosystem for sure. But um, yeah. I mean, if, if you brought in a doctor or an engineer or I don't know what and and have them try to take a client from, you know, looking at homes until closing, I think 90 percent of them will give up along the process. So yeah. it is difficult. <laughs> it's pretty selfless, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> tactically if um you know culture is a huge thing for us right work hard be kind and it was part of our world too and um now you're scaling at such an incredible pace right now how how, how do we how, how do people stay that that was the scariest thing for me when i went from a team of 10 thinking that i could bring this little independent boutique brokerage with culture forward and i was we got as big as 105 you guys are at 3,700 and scaling at a ridiculous rate. How does, how does culture stay in such a fast paced growing? And, and uh, how have you guys been able to do that? Uh, great question, which probably keeps me up at nights. Um, <laughs> I think it, it all starts and ends with people. So the ability to attract the right partners, such as yourself, the ability to build the right team internally, hiring the right people, and having as many conversations as possible with people that want to join the family. Um, so as a company, we do not have a target of, okay, we want to be at 10,000 agents by December of 2022. Right. We're not focusing on growing agent count. We're focusing on building value with the hope that that value will attract agents to uh to real and i think that once you understand that okay we're focusing on on building value then your mindset changes i mean you and i we know each other very well we communicate very often i never told you hey darren 
I want you guys to be at 150 agents by the end of next year. No, we will never do that. We don't have quotas. We don't push our agents to, to do different things. And I think that creates a different kind of culture. Now, on top of that, it's the ability to say no to what seems like a good opportunity. We are talking to a lot of people that we think will not be a good fit. And when I say be a good fit, you were, you were mentioning net takers or net givers. So I think that if we identify that somebody will be a net taker, we just say no, even though that person can bring 500 agents or a thousand agents overnight, it's okay to say no. The way we look at it is that we have no doubt that real will be in tens of thousands of agents in a couple of years. Now, right now we're building the foundations at 3,700 agents, every agent counts, every team leader counts, every employee of the company makes a difference. We, are, we, we want to build strong, reliable foundations so that what we build on top of it isn't shaky. And that's uh, what I mean, we're focusing on right now. I love that. It's like that servant's heart mentality, right? It, I, I mean, I, the, the final filter I'm asking people to do to, tomorrow in this workshop is to make 2022 your best year ever, find more ways you can serve others, right? That, and then we're basically half of this workshop is pushing them to sink within themselves to say, how can I serve more? The rest just comes. Yep. Awesome. Well, I know your time is incredibly valuable and uh, I've taken a fair amount of your time here and I'm so appreciative and I'm sure our listeners are as well. And I always love every chance I have a chance to converse with you just real to real. And um, again, didn't give you any of these questions ahead of time and I knew I wouldn't need to because uh, you're such a true <laughs> authentic man. So um, I'm going to wrap things up. Did you want to leave our listeners with anything else as we kind of end our time here? Well, first of all, thank you for, uh, for giving me the opportunity and listening. Um, yeah, I think that, you know, it's the end of the year. And typically at the end of the year, you kind of look back, you reflect, you plan towards next year. And what I've learned throughout my career, I'm 45, I've, I've done different things throughout my career. But at a certain point, I realized that being kind probably makes me better, helps me make make other better and just help me overall. I think that in the, in the business world, typically you would think that it's cutthroat and if I'm losing, somebody else is winning or if I'm winning, somebody else is, is losing. I think that by being kind, we can create a win-win situation. Um, so sometimes when you think you're losing, you're actually winning. So try and be kind, try to, to look at things from a different perspective, try to ask, ask yourself, okay, this is what I intuitively wanna do, but maybe if I do something different, the other person will benefit and I will benefit as well because I did something good for somebody else. So just be kind, that's, uh, that's what I wanted to leave you with. That's as good as an ending as you're right. This is, we are getting Chris to close to the holiday season. A lot of, I mean, there's a lot less fortunate than all of us out there. And I know we're starting to redirect towards that. So this has been another re-education experience podcast with the CEO and founder, Tamir Poleg of Real, Real Broker. Um, so excited. Uh, I wish you a happy uh, 
you know, holiday season, whenever that starts for you, I'm sure not for a while. And uh, that's all I got. Thank you, Darren. That was awesome. Thank you, everyone. Thank you.